if you're going to do something like this, you should be really thinking about what does good look like six months after we've implemented? And then, well, then what does it take for us to get to that moment six months from now, starting today? You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Audible Ready Podcast. I'm Rachel Clapp-Miller, and today we are talking about Medic. Brian Walsh joins me to discuss this methodology. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. Brian, I know that you do a lot of trainings on Medic. You've worked with a lot of sales organizations on Medic. Uh, Those of you who don't know or might be a little bit more unfamiliar with it, Medic is a sales qualification methodology. It's very popular. Brian, just let's start off here. Give us a little information about why you think it works so well. It works so well because it helps organizations answer three questions. And I I think that's the big thing. Like if you can keep focused on these three big questions, the first question is, is this a deal we even belong in, right? I mean, so am I involved in opportunities that I really should be spending time in? And then the second question it helps organizations answer, assuming yes to the first, is what do we do to effectively move this deal forward? What and how do we do uh, and when do we do things to move the deal forward? It answers that question. And then last but not least, it answers the question, where is this deal really at? So yeah, I think some people go straight to the the third question is calling the forecast more accurately. And that's, a, that's true. That, that's one example. But it's bigger than that. That is one sales stage, right? Putting a deal in, in close or, or, you know, in a position where you can forecast it. But every step of the way, every step of your sales cycle, you really have a lot more confidence as to where the deal truly is at all times. Right. As as we know, there's not a sales leader out there who doesn't want to predict revenue more accurately if they're yeah. not already there, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, Medic, I know uh, this is audio, right? People are listening to this. So Medic is an, is an acronym, if you don't know. It's Metrics, Economic Buyer, Decision Criteria, Decision Process, I identifying pain, champions and competition. Sometimes people put an extra P in there for med pick for paper process, depending on uh, your organization. But given this current environment we're in, this economic environment in our marketing department at Force, we've had a lot of traffic, digital traffic around medic. People are looking for better ways to qualify. I mean, even our medic site traffic last month was up 25%. So Let's talk about how you make Medic successful in your organization. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a lot to that. And I'll go back to my uh, three questions. I think the, and the first two is really what this is all about. The idea that first and foremost, I'm focused on helping people in my, on my team or in the rest of my organization think through opportunities early in such a way that we're deciding in a better way or a better educated way um, which deals are we really going to dive into? Which are the ones that are more apt for us to be successful in, are closer to our bullseye kind of opportunity or client? And then secondarily, once we're in those deals, it's all about focusing on the the what and the how every step of the way, right? So you know, you can't just launch Medic and give it to your teams and put it in Salesforce and, and hope that it's going to be enough because it's not going to be enough. In fact, 
I've told clients before, if that's what you're going to do, don't do it. It's just a waste of your time and money. You're not going to get the outcomes that you're looking for. It's really the concept of putting it to work daily in every conversation that we have that actually makes a significant difference. So it's really about how an individual seller and the, the people working with him or her who are a part of what I call an opportunity pursuit team, they're, they're working on a live deal. It's how they put it into place, but it's also how then management does a couple of things. It's how they run the business every day and how they have those conversations about live deals that really, really matter. Um, that really makes this thing stick, right? So the, the, the qualification accuracy that you get out of this really comes from a sales leadership team that establishes a cadence or an operating rhythm around the concept of coaching both deals and skill instead of just, you know, you know, our favorite phrase, one of them, Rachel screaming at the scoreboard, right? The manager, you know, the difference here is you, you, you either have a manager who screams at the scoreboard, like you go, you get on a call with them and you talk about an opportunity and, and you hear something like, well, you know what you need to do? You need to go get a meeting with the economic buyer, right? That, like that's screaming at the scoreboard because the rep is sitting there saying to himself, well, yeah, thanks. Like I already knew that, right? Instead it's, Hey, let's talk about like the, like the manager who was all around coaching uh, the deal and coaching skill is focused on, as you and I have talked about many times before, the what and the how. So it's, okay, we all know that we got to get to the economic buyer, right? Let's talk about two things. How are we going to get to the economic buyer? And when we get there, how are we going to set that meeting up and choreograph that meeting so that we're actually talking to the economic buyer in language that they care about? And we're communicating value in a way that they actually will attach to, right? So, um, you know, a big example for me was, uh, it still sticks with me. It was last fall. I was with, um, uh, five people working on an opportunity in one of our clients. And I kid you not, when I say this, the, the seller said, Hey, I, I just got a call. This was a Thursday afternoon. I just got a call from the chief operating officer's office for this large healthcare system with 26 locations in the southeastern state. And I'm meeting with the chief operating officer next Tuesday. And the manager said, and I quote, hey, that's great. Let me know if you need any help. And proceeded to ask a question about something totally different inside of the same opportunity. And I, I stopped and I, and I just asked the manager, I said, wait a minute, are, do you have any interest in this meeting with the chief operating officer? And he said, well, sure. And I said, can I ask the rep a couple questions? And he said, sure. And I looked at the rep and I said, hey, how many times have you met with a chief operating officer of an organization this big? And I could tell because of his age that the answer was going to be what it was, and it was yeah. zero. And I looked at the manager. I said, I have a few other questions, but do you want to jump in? And the manager jumped in, and we spent the next 45 minutes talking about the call. right? And I yeah. and, and instead of good luck, it was what, what are the objectives? What's the agenda? How do we know that she, the chief operating officer, is aligned with that? What's the choreographer? Because the choreography, because the good news is the two other people at the table with the rep were going on that meeting too. So we had all the right people in the room to have the how conversation. But that's what I'm talking about. That's the difference. Yeah, the how is 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 so important, which is why we always talk about it because that yeah. screaming at the scoreboard concept you just talked about isn't going to get you to uh, forecast accuracy. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what, Rachel? It's not just not going to get you that. Yeah. It's also here's the other thing. It's going to get you it's going to get you a bunch of reps who resent the moment they see your name on their calendar <laughs> because they look at it and they're like, Oh great. I have to go report the news again. 
Mm -hmm. right? Instead of really figuring out how are we going to make the news? That's the difference. That's great. You know, it's medic is so much like any sales methodology that you implement, you need to customize it to fit your organization. So let's talk about how you make it successful specifically in your organization. And I sort of thought we'd break this down into three lenses, leaders, managers, and reps. So let's start with managers. How does the manager, you talked a little bit about um, just now, but let's dive in a little bit deeper. How do managers make this successful? You know, um, you didn't know I was going to tell you this, but on a personal note, I had something really tragic happen yesterday. A, a very good longtime friend of mine from Xerox suddenly passed away. Oh, no, um, I'm sorry, got, Brian. Yeah, thanks. I got the news last night, and I was thinking about Dan this morning as I was thinking about our podcast. And I, I realized, um, as I was talking to some other former Xerox people last night, people that I had worked with for years, and um, many of whom had been mentors, that the one thing that Dan, who was a, a longtime seller, he actually uh, he sold his whole career. But the one thing that Dan and, and people like Tom Grohl and Dave Alfredo, Jeff Canada, like the names just roll off my tongue, did for me is, is what great leaders do at the frontline uh, level every day. They have a cadence and where they know that the most important thing to do every single day is to not just talk about the forecast, Right. But it's to be way in front of the forecast and to talk about live deals and talk about them as it relates to moving the deal forward. Like, and, and I, I, I know it sounds like a broken record because we just talked about the how a minute ago, but the reality is too many organizations and managers spend all the time chasing the forecast. And as one of the other great sales managers I ever had, Fred, Fred Thomas used to say on the first day of the quarter, because we would forecast our business quarterly. And the forecast you put down on day one was the forecast you went through the quarter with. You didn't get a lot of love if you showed up halfway through the quarter saying, hey, I got to reduce my forecast by 50%, right? Fred, mm-hmm. Freddie would literally on day one of the quarter start telling everybody, you realize that the quarter is over, right? And his point was, if you think you're going to pull a whole bunch of deals forward into the quarter that are, that are only half-baked on, January, on the first day of the quarter, you're crazy. So his, his whole concept was, you have to be way in front of the quarter. So in this quarter, I'm thinking about next quarter's deals so that when we call the number on the first day of the quarter, we know that the number is the number. And it was always focused on how, what are we, what are we going to do to move this deal forward? And how are we going to do that? What's the strategy? What's the choreography? And that's what people like Dan, um, my friend and others, the other names that I just threw at you were all mm-hmm. so good at doing, right? And, and I think uh, the number one thing that a frontline manager has to do is get really great at facilitating these conversations, which means you don't have to be the expert in everything, right? But right. you have to be able to, you have to be great at facilitating these conversations. And it has to be the number one thing, along with pipeline generation, on your, in your operating rhythm, in your cadence, right? Whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, because everybody's business is different based on the velocity of the, of the deals that they work on and the size of the deals they work on. But you got to have an operating rhythm that you that you absolutely live by. And this, in my opinion, has to be one of the top two things in that operating rhythm. It is non-negotiable. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about the how and facilitating the conversations to make your reps successful and medic helps drive that. But the other thing, really the underlying theme that I'm hearing here is 
in these deal coach, coaching sessions or when you're using Medic to evaluate a deal, managers providing the how, but they're providing the how and how you make sure that you are aligned to the biggest business pain and your solution yeah. is aligned to the biggest business pain. It's that fundamental. Well, it's, it's that fundamental and it's really deep if you think about that, right? It's mm -hmm. the idea that most of the decisions we're talking about include multiple players, which means there's multiple, there's typically multiple problems or at least levels of the same problem that I should be able to attach to and dig into. And there's two sides to that coin, right? There's two sides to the pain. The first side is the concept of what's happening as a result of the issues you're dealing with today or have, that you have today. The second side of that coin is what happens if you don't effectively deal with those? And I think like that's, that's just one of those little subtle things that a lot of people miss. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, a, it's one of those ways that you can start to dig deeper into the pain and start to expand the circle of people who are involved in this discussion or are going to be impacted. And then the other side of that coin, the third leg of that stool is what's possible on the other side. Because, you know, you and I both know, we've seen this multiple times and we, we preach it a lot that most customers left to their own devices already have a point of view as to where they are and where they're trying to go. And, and that, it, that is very rarely wrong, right? Where the customer is and where they're trying to go always has some validity, a lot of validity to it. But what we typically should be able to bring to the table it, with, with some expertise and some experience is to be able to help the customer think through the what's going on today issue more deeply than they would have if we weren't in the room and what's possible on the other side. And if you can expand that and really get them thinking about other outcomes, what starts to happen is you start to have an impact on the, on the ROI discussion uh, inside of the customer. You know, the mm -hmm. customer will spend one amount of money to fix a $100,000 problem. They'll spend another amount of money just to get to a half a million dollar outcome. Right. And any CFO worth their salt will, will tell you that that's true. I've tested that theory probably thousands of times now in my career, both in this life and my previous life. And I've never had a CFO disagree with the concept that adding a really solid set of business outcomes helps them better think through and justify whether or not the decision they're about to make is a good one. Yeah. Well said. I, well said. And I also think, Rachel, I'm, I apologize, but I, I want to hit something else. I know we were talking about management. I, I think the other side of that coin is, you know, there's first line managers and what they do and what I'm, what, what I'm dealing with in my own head and my heart right now kind of led me to the first line manager. But the other thing that matters here is the leaders above the, the frontline leader. And I just right. had this conversation with a client last week and, and, and I just said, listen, what's really going to matter here is your first line managers are all lined up. They're, they're, they're ready to go. Question they're going to have. And one of them has already asked me privately is, is the leadership of the company going to make it both an expectation for me to run the business this way? And are they going to allow me to run the business this way? Are they going to talk this way? Right? So it's like, it's one thing to make it an expectation. It's another thing to make it okay. And that's where second line leadership and everybody above have got to, that's how they've got to be thinking and running the business every day. That makes sense. Yeah. And what do you, let's, let's, Talk a little bit about the sales leader role in implementing medic. When you when okay. you talk about running the business based on that, what do yeah. you what do you mean? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it goes back to what I talked about a few minutes ago. This concept of an operating rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. You you have got to, your reps have to know that in any given moment, there's a chance that you're going to say, "Hey, Rachel, let's talk about that deal in your pipeline." And and that when you say when I say that to you, I'm I'm saying it not uh, as an inspection point, 
In fact, I suggest get that word out of your vocabulary. I say it as a coaching point. Coaching, I say it right? as, yeah, yeah, let's take a look at this opportunity and let's look at it early and often as appropriate. And I think the two dynamics there that matter are the rep's skill set and the size of the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And or its importance to the business, right? And, and so as a frontline manager, I'm looking at those two things at all times. And I'm asking myself, hey, looks like Rachel's got herself a tiger by the tail. Does she have the skill set to deal with that? And or is this a deal big enough of consequence to both her and the team? If either of those two answers, you know, lead me to the idea that we better sit down and talk about the deal, it's time to sit down and talk about the deal. And it's not just a one-time thing. So I'm talking about opportunities early and often in a way that I pull the seller and the rest of the account team away from further away from the deal so they can see the forest through the tree. So my role is to facilitate that conversation. And like, I'll, like I'll just give you an example. Back in February, I was helping a manager coach a deal out west uh, with a, a sales rep who's in a mid-market uh, sales position. His average deal size is about $50,000 and his, his quota for the year is about $600,000. And I walk into a room where they were working on a $60,000 deal. You know, one-year contract, $60,000 deals. And a lot of their initial contracts are one year. It's kind of a newer marketplace and clients are like, okay, we'll give you a 12-month try kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, we started talking about the opportunity and attaching the biggest problem and the number of different, we started mapping out all the different people in, in a customer's organization that would care about the, the thing that these guys do for a living. And before you knew it, using Medic, we had mapped out the fact that there were another six or seven people to include VP of, of application development who really, really needed to be heard if this thing was actually going to get some legs and be successful, whether no matter what the customer decided to buy up front. In terms of we were thinking about successful implementation, right? Right. Um, so what we did was we mapped out a strategy on how to get to these other people and the conversations to have with each of them to triangulate the truth. And I stayed in touch with the rep and the manager uh, over the next number of weeks. And uh, three or uh, three weeks ago now, three weeks ago, I got a, a note from the rep. The, the conversation had morphed six, seven different times to the point that by the time a couple people internally took it to the VP of application development, the VP took one look at the summary, right, what we like to affectionately call the mantra, because mm -hmm. uh, this is a command of the message customer too. Um, but uh, took one look at the mantra and said, "Let's all right, let's get these folks on the phone. I, I definitely want to talk to them. And after a few conversations with this rep and, and his team, a one-year $60,000 deal went to a three-year $1.47 million deal. Wow. The rep wrote his year in one deal. Wow. Now, does that happen all the time? No, of course not, right? But, but what Medic does when applied really, really well at the how level is it helps us think through all of these things we're talking about. How do I better identify the pain and identify all the people who are attached to it and then figure out a strategy to get to each one of those folks and help those folks connect the dots internally. That's yeah. the whole concept here. So let's talk a little bit. We've talked about managers and even higher up leaders, the importance of providing the how as you just went through, but mm -hmm. still the seller's got to own the medic process and make sure that they're holding them, themselves accountable to that. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what are the responsibilities of sales rep to make sure medic is successful? Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this too, because I, I actually think at a higher level, first and foremost, an organization who does something like this well actually starts to identify 
the right people for the organization. And I don't just mean at the seller level, it's also at the manager level and the manager of managers level. So like that's the first thing you're identifying what great looks like for your organization. And then you're identifying, so who are the, who are the players uh, in any role that actually are up for the challenge, who are up for the skill, right? Because that's what we're also trying to always do. We're always trying to up our game and identifying great talent includes the concept of identifying people who are willing to do the work, right? That's, and that's an example I think here. At an individual contributor level, sales rep, solutions architect, anybody else who touches um, the customer over the course of a journey, I think reps have a response. So I'll say reps to include all those different uh, folks. Mm -hmm. They have, they have the responsibility to take the learning that they're getting every step of the way with medic and apply it to every opportunity they're working on as appropriate. Now I worry that when I say as appropriate, people say, Oh, that means for a small deal, I don't have to do it at all. No, it's, it's not a book. It just means as appropriate, right? We don't let the process <laughs> trump common sense, but we don't use it as a bush either to hide behind. So, it, what, what I believe, Rachel, is you've got to have reps who are willing to do their part, play their role, which includes some of the stuff that people don't always love. Like you got to put the details of the opportunity into Salesforce or whatever your system of record is. Mm -hmm. And the reason I, as a sales rep, do that is not just so that I can check a box that I did it, but it's so that I can hold others responsible and accountable. It means that if I'm going to take the time to keep the deal up to date, it means that anytime we're going to sit down and talk about the deal, everybody shows up with a point of view because they've actually looked at the Salesforce record. Right. And if we have 20 minutes to talk about an opportunity, we don't spend 20 minutes or 18 minutes of me telling you about the opportunity and two minutes talking about the way we do that. We flip that completely. We spend two minutes making sure everybody's up to speed and, and we're, we're answering any questions that might not be completely answered in the, in the, in the deal record. And then we spend 18 minutes talking about what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? Who's going to do it? And I, if you do that well, right? If, if you set that expectation up well, now reps have more than an understanding that they're expected to do something. They will do it because they know they're going to get value out of the process. Uh, and that's so, so that's, important. Yeah. That I think, I think that's the thing. And then the other thing that happens is reps bring you know, because a rep is doing their part on the front end and everybody shows up collectively to talk about deals ready to go, reps now earn the right to do something else, which is to hold the rest of the account team accountable to include their manager and their manager's manager for the appropriate types of action and resource, right? So that, you know, I'm doing my part. I should be able to now hold the company accountable for the resources that I need. And the company should be willing to look me in the eye and tell me that they can or why they can't give me the resources that I need to get a deal done. Um, so I think, cause that's the other thing, like you talk to organizations that do this well, they'll tell you when we really understand how it's more typical, you know, whatever that is, 70 or 80% of the, the business we write, uh, when we really understand how those deals get done, because we use something like medic to qualify them, it's a lot easier for us to make the right bets on how we hire additional roles, how we change the customer journey in terms of when certain roles come in or out of the, the conversation. So that's the other thing that starts to happen. The company starts to get a better picture of how do these deals really go down and where should we be investing in the sales team? Is it we need more reps? Is it we need more solutions architects on the pre-sales end or on the post-sales side? 
So that's the other thing that starts to happen. Yeah, I think it's, it's about giving, when you know where you are with the forecast and where yeah. your pipeline is, you are able to make better decisions about your business. And that comes with that yeah. discipline around the medic principles that ensure your salespeople are spending effective their time effectively. And as you said, they need the resources and the processes and the internal support uh, to do so. And it has yeah. to be a company language, which you talked about earlier, that nearly a hundred percent forecast accuracy or a hundred percent forecast accuracy is possible. And sales leaders own that to drive that throughout the organization. Yeah. I, I talk about this with sales leaders all the time. I ask them, you know, what, what feedback do you get from your sellers about the conversations you have about moving deals forward? And it's pretty typical. It's, you know, we talk about the deal and then everybody walks away shaking their head. Yes, but the deals don't really move as much as we thought they might based on whatever conversation we had. And then when you ask managers why they eventually get to the, the understanding that what they're doing, as I mentioned earlier, is they're asking reps to come in and just report the news. It's like ask, asking somebody to come in and read the newspaper too long. And, and if you can get your organization focused on creating executable action in the 20 minutes you have or 30 minutes you have to talk about a live deal, you end up with a bunch of sellers walking around going, when I see my manager's name pop up on my calendar, I actually look forward to that because I know that I'm going to get value. And I think this is important to, to say again, not because my manager called a meeting, but because when I sit down with my manager and the other people who are involved in a deal, we actually have a conversation about how are we going to move the deal forward. So now the manager is doing two things at once. They're helping move the business more effectively than they ever have before, right? And providing better accuracy for themselves and the business in terms of forecast most of the time. But the other thing they're doing is they're teaching skill that the rep will now start to apply to every deal they're working on, not just the one deal they're in. Because it's now not just about, go, hey, Rachel, go get a meeting with somebody. It's like, hey, let's talk about how we're going to get this meeting. What are the objectives? What's the agenda look like? How do we know that person's going to be lined up ahead of time? Those kinds of things. And now there's an expectation that I can start to set overtly. Right. The great. Now, how do we make sure that you're going to do this every time you're meeting with an economic buyer? So that's the other thing. I'm, I'm making an impact on one deal, which then has a halo effect on every other deal in a rep's pipeline. So the skill set I'm building for the rep long term is it's immense. Yeah, there's it is living and breathing this qualification. We use the concept voracious, be, be a voracious qualifier. Yeah. But it's also investing the time money resources to really make this the language of your organization that you said it earlier, you don't just launch medic, right? right. It's like all these things that surround it and sales leaders own that. We have that concept of leading from the front and that's what makes yeah. medic really successful. Yeah. And I know an organization's got it when two things are going on, when frontline managers have an ongoing cadence, you know, for example, every manager in North America, Tuesdays from two to five Eastern, is doing deal opportunity conversations, right? And they're picking mm -hmm. the deals in the moment that make the most sense to talk about. And depending on the deal size, you might get through three, you might get through six, you might get through two, you know, but you for your team are, are having that conversation. And at the same time, executive leadership is engaged in that cadence as well. And what they're doing is they're coming into these reviews, not with the intent to uh, necessarily participate and jump in, 
but with the intent to coach the managers, right? So the manager's job is to coach skill to the rep. How do we move this deal forward and how do we collectively get better at the, these types of conversations with customers? The managers of managers, they have a responsibility to teach the frontline managers how to be great coaches. So if frontline managers are running these reviews and everybody above them aren't involved, you have no idea how good your set your frontline managers are doing this, right? What their skill set is. And then number two, it'll eventually become clear to your frontline managers that you're not even running the business as well. Versus right. some of our clients, and you know who I'm talking about, the 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 top of the funnel, the the, the man or the woman sitting in the chief revenue officer's chair is actually sometimes running reviews, is personally involved in reviews, is listening in to coach the manager. And when you talk to, you know, I'm just thinking of the names, Mike and Jim and, and Sam, you know, some of these folks that, that we know really, really well, Carlos, when you talk to them about a deal, heck, I can't even think of a CEO up in Boston. When you talk to him, he'll start talking to you about your opportunity using medic language in the same way that a frontline manager would, not to inspect, but to coach the deal. That's when you know you got it. Yeah. I mentioned the increased traffic we've seen around medic. I think in this ev- environment, particularly, Brian, qualification is going to make or break some of these sales organizations this year. Yeah, I, and I think I think you, I, I like the way you said it, some. Not right. all. I'll be the yeah. first to admit that not all. But for a lot of organizations, the ability to be honest with ourselves about where a deal truly is. I mean, let's be honest. That's, that's the first reason to do this, to be honest with ourselves as to, is this a real deal? Is this a deal we really belong in? And where is it really at in the process? To be honest with ourselves about that allows us to, to then think about, okay, so what, what are the right next, next actions and how do we execute on those, especially in this environment where you know, people have, have been or maybe still might be somewhat paralyzed, right? Customers have gone missing. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, everybody's kind of gone underground a little bit in certain different places. Now, people are just had to come back out. But, you know, that's what's going on. It's harder to get a hold of people. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of companies are in, you know, everybody's everybody's business is, is shifting right now, right? People had to go into survival mode or had to go into change our messaging mode or something like that. So... Something like this to just have an honest take on where our business really is and then to make some really good decisions, educated decisions on. But what should we be doing and how is that different than what we would have done three months ago? Right. That's great. Brian, is there any other final thoughts around this concept that you want to share that I didn't ask you about? (laughs) <laughs> it kind of came out earlier, but I would just say this. Um, I, I really think that organizations need to think about if you're going to do something like this, as our friend, uh, the sales curmudgeon would say, <laughs> um, you know, you're probably not going to be willing to do it uh, the way it needs to be done. Right. So, you know, our friend, the sales curmudgeon likes to take the negative point of view to force people to think a little differently. I would just say it this way. If you're going to do something like this, you should be really thinking about what does good look like six months after we've implemented? And then, well, then what does it take for us to get to that moment six months from now, starting today? And if you're not willing to do the heavy lifting that it takes to make something like this stick in your organization, don't do it. Just don't do it. I mean, don't waste your time and your money. 
And if you can't get your arms around the value of something like this for your organization, that's okay. Just don't do it. Don't do it just to do it. It won't stick. And you know, that, that's my whole thing on this. Now, if you want to be great, the greatest sales organizations in the world do this and they do it well. Yeah. That's, and if you I can, mean, there's, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was saying, if you can do the work and put the muscle behind it, yeah. you, those organizations that do, they reap the rewards. Yeah. And that's a universal truth. Mm-hmm. You, you can't debate that. It just can't be debated. So I hope that helps. Um, It was really fun talking to you today. Yes, Brian. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who are listening out there. We know that you're listening and so many uh, of you are grinding every day, trying to get these deals in the pipeline and close. If there's ever a topic that you want us to cover on the podcast, you want to hear some more information about, please email us podcast at forcemanagement.com. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Rachel. And thank See you, everybody. Yes, thank you to all of you for listening. At Force Management, we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams. Our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth. Give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale. Our strength is our experience. The proof is in our results. Let's get started. Visit us at forcemanagement.com. You've been listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. To not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.